See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Behold God's great love. We've been going through the book of 1 John. We found out this, this amazing, deep, and wide grace and mercy found in the Father's heart, the love of God. And right here in 1 John chapter 3, he just can't contain it anymore. He just says, behold the love, the great, amazing love of God. God's love is a story that transcends space and time. God's love is a moment in time and a movement before, around, and through time. God's love is experiential, understandable, and yet completely incomprehensible. God's love is visible, yet in its fullest is unsearchable. Words cannot unpack it. Deeds cannot fully exposit it. And the thought cannot fully comprehend it. But the human heart was created to completely, inevitably, and continually endure it. We know that God loves us. We believe that God loves us. We live as if God loves us. But our yes is only partial and our understanding only limited. God's great love. Behold God's great love. We were never meant to be alone. The Father's heart was meant to be our home. But sin and shame caused a separation and pain and sorrows brought us to our knees. These are lyrics to a song that we're about to sing. It says, come to the Father, drink living water. Come, find forgiveness and be a witness to his great, amazing love. There's hope for you no matter what you've done. The prodigal is welcome to come home. He's waiting with a smile and open arms. And he is calling you, his daughters and his sons. Don't walk, just run. This love, this life is, is only just a glimpse. There's so much more the Father has to give. He's coming back again one day. And on that day, we'll see him face to face, face to face. I can't wait. God's great and amazing love. We started the sermon already. Um, as you came in, you should have received a program. In that program, you can kind of follow along, fill in the blanks. Uh, the first blank that you would fill in would be, Behold God's great love. You know, if you're here today for the first time, or everybody here, there's one thing I want you to walk out of today's service with knowing, and it's this, that God loves you. God loves you, and it's not just some idea. It's not just some phrase. It's not just a word. But he shows us his love 
in that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life that you and I can't live and then die a sinner's death that you and I deserve. And then Christ, that after being crucified and murdered on the third day rose again, defeating death and sin for you and me. This is the love of God shown for us on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, I said earlier, words cannot unpack it. Deeds cannot fully exposit it. And thought cannot fully comprehend it. But the human heart was created to completely, inevitably, and continually endure it. God's love is for you and for me. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. You know, one day we are going to come face to face with our creator. And this, this idea that we talk about and write songs about and write poems about to, to try and fully express this amazing, uh, uncomprehendable thing that, that is so far beyond humanity, we will see our creator face to face. And when you look into the eyes of your Savior, when I look into the eyes of my Savior, everything will be known. All of these, these, these questions that I've asked, all the struggle that I've had to, to understand and, and fully put to work in my life will become so clear, so clear. Right now, it's like we're looking into an old antique mirror that's bent up and broken. I mean, the smartest of us, the greatest theologian that can exposit God's word to the depths, that just blows our mind every time we hear them speak. They're not even touching the surface. It's not even the beginning. We will see God face to face. And, and all those questions and all the struggles and all the successes and joys of this life that, that maybe we don't understand will become completely clear. One day we will know him as our hearts are desperate to know him. But now we run. We persist and we pursue. And we, with all our strength and might, press in to what and who he is. This transcendent holy, perfect, almighty, majestic, righteous, all-powerful God who wants to be, now hear me on this, who wants to be in relationship with you and me. All of this amazingness, this creator God wants to be in relationship with you and I. Behold the love of God, John says. He goes on, he says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And here's that key word we've been talking about, one of the key words we've brought out in 1 John, beloved. 
or my little children. These endearing words. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. <laughs> wow. We as Christians, there, there is something in us. And you've heard me say this before, that each and every one of us were created with this God-sized hole in us. We are from birth, from birth, desperate to, to come in contact with, to be in relationship with our creator. God made us that way. We were created to worship God, be in relationship with God, and, and enjoy him forever. That's what we were created for. And we shall see him as he is. It's what we long for. It's what we are desperate for. And it's what we were created for. The second thing I want to pull out of our text this morning in 1 John chapter 3 is this. We are God's children. This is what John says. We are God's children. What does that mean? Well, that means a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> Just pull out a couple of things that that means. We have, what that means is that we have a heavenly father who provides for us. We have a heavenly father who provides for us. Now, this, this idea of a heavenly father can be difficult for us because we all have earthly fathers. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I hear that I have a heavenly father, there's kind of this idea, this picture that comes up into the back of my mind of my earthly father, Jerry. Jerry Halp. And I, I think of growing up under his provision, under his protection. I remember those times when I was a young boy. I remember the spankings that I received back when you could do that. But I remember the, the loving, caring spankings that I received. He would, say, he would say, Matt, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. But I want you to know that I love you. And when you disobey, there's consequences for disobedience. And he would put me over his knee and give me a spanking. And he was, then he'd send me to my room usually for a while. And he would always say, he'd always say this, Matt, it hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, it sure doesn't feel like a dad. And you know, as a dad now, I get what he was saying. But anyways, as we, we think about this idea of having a heavenly father, we can't help but, but kind of see God our father through this lens that's been created by an earthly father. And, and as awesome as our dads are, and as awesome as my dad was, and as loving and caring and, and a godly man as he was, he's, he's still a poor picture of a heavenly father. I mean, you may be here today and your dad may be like the best dad on the planet. And let me just tell you, that's a poor, poor picture of Heavenly Father. Because no earthly man can, can show perfect love, perfect patience, perfect kindness, perfect justice. 
So we, we have this, this preconceived idea in our minds of, of who God our Father is. And I just want to encourage you today to, to, to throw all of that out and think about the Father. Perfect. He knows every thought in your mind since you were conceived. Every one of them. He has seen every deed, good and bad, that you have done. He sees everything we do, everything we think, and now get this. He sees the motivations behind every word and every deed that we do and say. And you know what his word says? He still sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. He still sent his one and only son to die for you and me so that when we put our faith in the works of Jesus Christ, we could be called sons and daughters. He provides for us. He provides a way for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he provides for us to live our lives here on earth. The Bible says, see the sparrow that falls out of the sky? God sees every single one of them. How much more will he care for you and provide for you? Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust in your heavenly father. He not only provides a way into eternity with him in relationship for us, but he provides for us every day. We have a heavenly father who provides Another thing a father does is a father protects. A father protects his kids. We have a heavenly father who protects us. I remember when um, my son was born. Noah was born October 10th, 1998 in Greenwood, Indiana. And uh, I had no idea what to expect. No idea going into this, what was going to happen. I knew we were going to go in two people and come out three. And uh, that was about the extent of it. But I remember the moment that I heard my son cry for the first time. Something changed in me instantly. Instantly. It was, it was as if my heart, I mean, inside of me went from being right here just to right, just opened up. It was like somebody reached in with both of their hands into my chest and just went like this. And I had this huge feeling of, of responsibility and, and care and, and protection for this, this new life that was brought into this world. I had a new understanding of, of what it means that I have a heavenly father that looks over me provides and protects for me. And I, I remember the nurse handing him over to me for the first time. He was so fragile. Yeah, I mean, you remember the babies that were up here? So cute and just precious, you know? And, and I, I remember the first thing that I said to the nurse is, I, I don't want to break him. You know, he was just like this, this fragile, so light. I mean, he, he fit in one of my hands. He, I mean, he fit like right in my hand. And I was like, I'm going to break him. 
I, that is, I was like shaking, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to break him. Now he's taller than I am. He's like 6'2". But it was this amazing sense that, that I just, man, I couldn't comprehend what was going on. It's hard for me to even put into words. And now, moving, jumping ahead just a few years, my daughter, Adeline, when she was born, I remember going to the hospital with my wife, and I was, I, I was scared. I said to her, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to love her like I love him, Noah. You see, something, something supernatural, something miraculous happened in my heart when Noah was born. The, the experience that I had, I can't make that happen again. How am I going to love her like I love and care for Noah? I was really, that was a real concern of mine. A real concern. And I remember, I remember hearing Adeline's first cries. And you know what? God did something that only he can do. I, I melted. I became a puddle. I was wrecked in a good way with love and compassion for this, this new life that, that came into the world. I just remember being overwhelmed. God did it again. I wanted to provide for them. I wanted to protect and care for them. What else does a father do? Well, as we read earlier in Deuteronomy, it says that he knows every day. It might have, was it Deuteronomy or the other? It was one of those two verses I read this morning. It says that, that he had plans every day. God knows every day. A father plans. A father provides, a father protects, and a father plans for us in this life and the life to come. The Bible says that God has plans set aside for you, good things set aside for us to do. A father plans for us. Isn't it neat to know that before the world was created, God knew your name? God knew our names. He knew every day of our lives that we would live. And it says that he actually set aside things for us to do. Good things for us to do. So as we think about this, that we are his children, let's, let's not muddy up the waters and when we think about it. But let's think of God as who he is. He's not Jerry Halp. He is God Almighty perfect in love, omniscient. He knows everything, omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He holds this world in his hands, and he sustains life. Our very breath is sustained in who he is. This is God, our Father, and we are his children. Now, you may be here today and, and Maybe you haven't put your faith in the person, in the work of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're hearing all this for the first time. You're like, man, Heavenly Father, what's that even mean? What it means is that we have a creator. And he created us. And like we read this morning, we were formed in our mother's womb. He's sewn us together in our mother's womb. He has plans for you. And he's calling you into relationship with him. None of us can live up to the standard that was set. Perfection was set. That's why God sent his only son. 
because he's the only one who could live up to it and fix and bridge the gap that was set in place between God and humanity long ago in the Garden of Eden when man disobeyed the Creator God. You know, it was at that point that God put into place this amazing plan, this loving plan of redemption. I would encourage you today to put your faith, your trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God wants to be in relationship with you. Moving on in verse 3, it says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice, go ahead and circle or underline a practice, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now your next filling in your notes is this. We practice righteousness. We practice righteousness. What does it mean to practice? You know, you can practice shooting free throws for hours a day and still miss some during the season. Look at LeBron James. Have you heard the news? He's choking at the free throw line. I mean, the dude's paid hundreds of millions of dollars to play basketball. He spends hours and hours and hours in the gym every day. He has shot more free throws. Man, if I had a penny for every free throw, LeBron James has shot since he started playing basketball. And what do we see? He still misses a ton of free throws. We've all been told a lie. We've all been told a lie. Practice makes eh, wrong. Now, practice should make us better. But there's only one who's perfect, right? Who is that? Christ Jesus. That's right. Hopefully, practice makes us better. But practice doesn't make us perfect. Jesus makes us perfect. You see, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are covered in his blood. So when I go to heaven and I pass through those pearly gates and I'm asked for my resume to get into heaven, I hand over my resume and guess whose name's on it? Not Matt Halp. It says Jesus Christ. Practice doesn't make perfect. You can practice playing guitar your entire life and still make countless mistakes. You can practice reading your Bible but still struggle to be consistent. You can practice patience but still some, you might just lose your temper every once in a while. You can practice prayer but still come up at a loss for words sometimes. Here's what practice does. It makes us better, better at reading our Bibles Better at living out that Bible. You know, another thing practice does, it implies intention. Practice implies intention. When we think about practicing, we have to know what it is we want to accomplish and and why we would spend time and energy and finances on practicing something. 
It reveals intentions in our hearts that we, we are pursuing something. We are pursuing someone that we would practice righteousness. You see, John's not talking about perfection because Christ has already been perfect for us. He's, he's really wanting to reveal to us what we are practicing. What habits are we creating? Golf's a funny sport. You know, you can, you can go out on a golf course. I grew up on golf courses my entire life. My dad was an avid golfer. I had a set of golf clubs by the time I was six years old. And we lived on golf courses up until the time I graduated high school. You know, you can go out and be a good golfer and shoot par one day, shoot, shoot 72, and you can go out the next day and shoot 92, right? Look at Tiger Woods. Man, the guy's done it a couple of times. But we, you know, you practice and you practice and you practice. In high school, my first job actually was a cart boy. I was one of those guys that cleaned off all the golf carts and picked up all the golf balls in their driving range. And by the time I got into high school, I was actually a pretty, pretty good golfer. Shot a par, maybe under par, just over par every once in a while. And in high school, I was the number one on the team. And, and my team relied on my scores every time. And I remember my senior year, the big year, right? We were going to the, the sectional tournament, and this was, this was the big day. Now, man, I had to bring it. I had to, to play the best golf I, I could ever play. I remember getting onto that first tee. Six, I was about 6.15 was my tee off. I was the first one to tee off. Hundreds of people around the tee. Man, I'm ready to go. I'm stoked for the day. I got great sleep the night before. I had prepared. I get up to that tee box, and I remember taking my back swing, and ouch, I can't really do that anymore. And taking that first swing, and and there was this, this ravine right there and then a, a, um, a bridge going over the ravine. And man, I duffed that golf ball and it hit that bridge, bang, and made this huge sound. And I could hear the, the hundreds of guys, high school boys, snickering in the background, right? And I'm like, oh no, Lord, not today, not today. It can't be that kind of day. My entire day, it had looked as if I had never picked up a golf club my entire life. I couldn't get the ball off the ground. I had averaged, oh, my nine-hole average was 36.3. Like, and I, I couldn't get the ball off the ground. I got the, a case of the shanks. Anybody ever heard of that? Man, it was, it was the worst day of my life. And I remember coming up to that hole 18 and the coach had talked to me at the turn. I told him what was going on. He says, just keep your head up, Matt. You've had a great high school career. I'm like, <laughs> and it just goes downhill, right? I remember being in the clubhouse, and, and you can move on to the next. It was like districts, I think, were next. And you can move on as a team or an individual. Um, I didn't hope, have much hope for the team. You know, the guys were good, but you had to post some pretty good scores. And I remember Todd Jay, who was like a sophomore, I think, of the year, comes in with like a 34. I was like, oh, or it was, six, it was 68 or 69 for the 18. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. He's, he's out of his mind. And my team carries me on to the next round. I was like, wow, it was amazing. Praise the Lord for that. But anyways, practice doesn't make us perfect. You are, what this means for us is this is the good news. This is the good news. That you can practice righteousness and work at it and pursue relationship with Christ. But you know what? We're going to go out and shoot a 92. There's going, to be, there's going to be days that it looks like you've, you've never picked up the Bible before in your life. And you're just like, <sighs> you know what? 
Christ went to the cross for us on those days. On our good days, on our bad days, he saw when you shoot the 72, he sees when you shoot the 92. And Jesus still chose to allow his own creation to murder him for you and me. Jesus did it for you and me. Man, we call this process, the big church word for this is called sanctification, progressive sanctification, that we would grow in our relationship with Christ each and every day. Here's a good, here's a good thing to remember. Don't measure spiritual growth in hours. Measure your spiritual growth in seasons. Don't measure it in hours. Measure it in seasons. Moving on, verse 9 here. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. But this, by this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. The last filling in your notes today is this. We discern who is who by what they practice. Right? We discern who is who by what they practice. Now, everybody's going to make mistakes, right? That's already been made clear. So we're not looking at perfection here. We're looking at practice. So whoever makes a practice of sinning is not of the Lord. And whoever makes a practice of righteousness or a pursuit, a pursuit of Christ is in him, brothers and sisters in Christ. This can be hard for us because it's easy for people to hide their lives and intentions from us especially those we listen to online or, or on the radio. People, people can make themselves look amazing online, right? right? Just, just open your Facebook and start looking at people's profile pictures. I, I have no idea how some, some people do this, but you look at the profile pictures, you're like, wow, I didn't know so-and-so was a supermodel, <laughs> right? I'm, uh, come on, I'm not the only one who thought this, right? Don't, don't make me feel that way. You look at the profile picture, you meet them in person, you're like, is that really so-and-so? Have you seen their thing? <laughs> that was bad, isn't it? No, they must have some special app or something for Facebook profile pictures. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, so if you look at my Facebook profile, give me the app, please, because I need some help. No, but people can make themselves look however they want online. Man, and it's so, and this, is, this is terrifying. I don't know if I said it last week or the week before, but we have heresy at our fingertips, people. I mean, it's YouTube, Facebook. There's some really good, let me just say this. There's some really phenomenal preachers and teachers online. Don't get me wrong. But there are some pretty horrendous, heretical teachers online as well. And you know what? As I've listened through some of these terrible teachers, all of them have some good stuff. All of them have some really good truth. And that's the scary thing. Because 99% of what they can say can be biblically accurate and powerful and passionate. And that 1% that's a lie is that much more believable. People can make themselves look however they want online. The Bible calls us to discern who is truly pursuing righteousness and who is not. 
If we can't do this, we may want to check our sources or limit our sources. Ask a spiritual mentor that you trust. Hey, I was watching this YouTube video the other day. It's so-and-so. Have you heard of him? Maybe they say no. It might be a good question to ask. Would you mind watching some of this? Is, is this a good resource for me or isn't, isn't it? I, I don't know. I don't know the history here or where they're really coming from. It's amazing what you can kind of pick up as you, as you watch these people. So as we close, four things that we can gather from 1 John 3, 1 through 10. We are loved by God. We are children of God. So we practice righteousness and discern the false from the right by the practices of those who are there. Four things from the first 10 verses of 1 John 3 are this. We are loved by God. We are children of God. So, because of that, we practice righteousness. This isn't perfection. It's a pursuit of the person of Jesus Christ. It's in his word. It's coming together with other believers and sharing encouraging stories in our lives. Just running and pressing into who he is. Practicing righteousness. And we are able to discern who's who. Who's a follower of Jesus and who is not? Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your word today. And God, we, we want to celebrate what you're doing. Uh, these baby dedications and some baptisms that we're about to do and the commissioning of a, a missionary who's getting ready to head to Africa. Lord, we, um, we recognize your hand at work here amongst us. And Father, we, we don't want to take that for granted. So, so as we've opened up your word, God, I pray that it would, would take root deep into our hearts and our lives, that we would be changed, changed by your word for your glory, for your kingdom, and for our good. Do what only you can do with the truth of your word in our lives. Change us. Change us, God. And Father, as we celebrate all these things this morning, help us to not take for granted your grace your mercy, and your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great song, man. It's a good one. That was great. Perfect for baptisms, right? I ran out of that grave because of him, because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we have, we have so much to celebrate here at Mission View Church. Just it's, it really, truly is remarkable, the work that God is doing right here amongst us. Um, I hear every week on Mondays, I get emails, um, comment cards and, or connect cards that people fill out where they want to know more about Jesus. Every week, four to six people are wanting to meet with a pastor and talk about Jesus, learn more about what Mission View Church is all about. And it's, it truly is amazing. And I want to give all the glory and honor and praise to God because God is doing that here. Amen. So today, um, we're going to celebrate with a meal. Uh, there's going to be food out in the commons. If you go out these doors here, take a right, and then another right, it'll take you down to the commons. We've got a smorgasbord of amazing food, but I want to pray for us before we go and eat today. Would you bow with me? Well, Father, we recognize your hand. Um, we don't take it for granted, Father. 
we, we give you glory, we give you honor and praise, and we say that we could do none of this apart from the power of your Holy Spirit in and through us. It is all you, Jesus. So, Father, be with us as we go out of this place, that we would be salt and light, that we would share the love that you've given with us, that we would overflow with it onto our neighbors, our family, and our friends. And, Lord, as we go and have and share this meal, Father, I pray you would bless this food, that it would nourish our bodies, that it would strengthen us to serve you more, that you would bless our conversations as we fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ, that it would be glorifying to you and edifying to us. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you out in the comments. This is my story. This is your story. Come on, listen.